How freeing it was these days to travel alone with only a single suitcase to check. He had never visited the Pacific Northwest, never appreciated the staggering breadth of his adopted land. He had flown across America only once before, the time his wife booked tickets to Calcutta on Royal Thai Airlines via Los Angeles, rather than traveling east as they normally did. That journey was endless. Four seats, he still remembered, amongst the smokers at the very back of the plane. None of them had the energy to visit any sites in Bangkok during their layover, sleeping instead in the hotel provided by the airline. His wife, who had been most excited to see the floating market, slept even through dinner, for he remembered a meal in the hotel with only Romy and Ruma in a solarium overlooking a garden, tasting the spiciest food he'd ever had in his life as mosquitoes swarmed angrily behind his children's faces. No matter how they went, those trips to India were always epic and he still recalled the anxiety they provoked in him, having to pack so much luggage and getting it all to the airport, keeping documents in order and ferrying his family safely so many thousands of miles. But his wife had lived for these journeys, and until both his parents died, a part of him lived for them too. And so they'd gone, in spite of the expense, in spite of the sadness and shame he felt each time he returned to Calcutta, in spite of the fact that the older his children grew, the less they wanted to go. He stared out the window at a shelf of clouds that was like miles and miles of densely packed snow one could walk across. The sight filled him with peace. This was his life now, the ability to do as he pleased, the responsibility of his family absent just as all else was absent from the unmolested vision of the clouds. Those returns to India had been a fact of life for him and for all their Indian friends in America. Mrs. Bagchi was an exception. She had married a boy she'd loved since girlhood, but after two years of marriage, he was killed in a scooter accident. At 26, she moved to America, knowing that otherwise her parents would try to marry her off again. She lived on Long Island, an anomaly, an Indian woman alone. She had completed her doctorate in statistics and taught since the 70s at Stony Brook University, and in over 30 years, she had gone back to Calcutta only to attend her parents' funerals. Minaki was her name. And though he used it now when he addressed her, in his thoughts he continued to think of her as Mrs. Bagchi. Being the only two Bengalis in the tour group, naturally they'd struck up a conversation. They started eating together, sitting next to one another on the bus. Because of their common appearance and language, people mistook them for husband and wife. Initially, there was nothing romantic. Neither of them had been interested in anything like that. He enjoyed Mrs. Bagchi's company knowing that at the end of a few weeks she would board a separate plane and disappear. But after Italy, he'd begun thinking of her, looking forward to receiving her emails, checking his computer five or six times a day. He searched MapQuest for the town she lived in to see how long it would take him to drive to her home, though they had agreed for the time being to see each other only when they were abroad. Part of the route was familiar to him, the same path that he and his wife used to take to visit Ruma in Brooklyn. He would soon see Mrs. Bagchi again, in Prague. This time, they'd agreed they would share a room, and they were thinking in the winter of taking a cruise in the Gulf of Mexico. She was adamant about not marrying, about never sharing her home with another man, conditions which made the prospect of her companionship all the more appealing. He closed his eyes and thought of her face, which was still full, though he had guessed she was probably almost 60, only five or six years younger than his wife. She wore Western clothing, cardigans, and black pull-on slacks and styled her thick, dark hair in a bun. It was her voice that appealed to him most, well-modulated, 
her words always measured as if there were only a limited supply of things she was willing to say on any given day. Perhaps because she expected so little, he was generous with her, attentive in a way he'd never been in his marriage. How shy he'd felt asking Miss Bogchi for the first time in Amsterdam after they had a tour of the Anne Frank house to pose for a photograph in front of a canal. 